Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops Podcast, NBA Finals Edition. We are in the midst of this series. B.J. Armstrong in L.A., Eric Newman in New York. And Miami made it interesting, cutting it to 2-1. to one. LeBron and the Lakers fought them off in Game 4, B.J. It's 3-1 to one L.A. Friday night is Game 5. Lakers looking to close it. LeBron looking for his fourth ring. The Lakers looking for their 17th title. We've got a big guest coming on today to talk about it. But before we welcome him, where are you at with the final series? 3-1 with the Lakers. Excellent job of being able to being able to sustain what was necessary uh, to win that game four. Because that was a big time win for them. Big time uh, performance by really the role players. I thought in particular KCP and Rajon Rondo, Markeith Morris, they really stepped up to the plate. And, and, and even though offensively he didn't have one of his, you know, probably uh, premier games on the offensive end, talking about Anthony Davis defensively, I thought he was outstanding, accepting the challenge of guarding Jimmy Butler and just uh, creating havoc on the defensive end. So overall, terrific job by the LA Lakers. Now the most difficult game, uh, which is closing a team out. That's always a very difficult game to do. And uh, we'll see how this plays out. We're taping here on Thursday, games tomorrow night. And uh, we'll see what LeBron James and company will, uh, uh, how they will perform in a closeout game. It should be, uh, I'm sure Miami have something to say about that. They're gonna fight. They're gonna fight tooth and nail, but uh... The Lakers are in a really good rhythm now, and despite Bam coming back, uh, the Lakers uh, did a heck of a job with the chess match in game four. Obviously, it's been uh, one hell of a journey through the bubble, and I can't think of a better person to have on with us today to uh, discuss the finals and really put a bow on uh, what we've seen uh, the past, uh, few months, then, uh, good friend to us, good friend to the show, the one and only Howard Beck, my friend, how are you? Great. Great to see you all again. Oh, Howard. Thank you so much. He's the best person. Not one of the best. He's the best person to come on. We can share some laughs, got, live a little entertainment. We can I, laugh I gotta, at ourselves. See, <laughs> I got to keep his awesome. ego in check. I got to keep his ego in check. Let's, let's no, 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 in front of that background. It's nice getting the the, the the nice pumped up intro, but then I feel like it sets the bar too high, and all I could do is disappoint your listeners at that point. Like it's setting me up. <laughs> Let's take that again. Our mediocre fallback guest for the day. There we go. He was, he was, he was available. He was available. Howard Beck. He's available. <laughs> Howard, a uh, a final we didn't expect in terms of injuries. And how Miami looked going through the Eastern Conference, especially with the win over the Celtics. Jimmy Butler, a monster game three, brings it back to 2-1. And then he starts red hot five for five in game four. What are you thinking at that point to start game four? I'm thinking there's a shot. There's a chance of this still being a series. But, you know, look, um, we all know teams can come out with a lot of adrenaline and fire and, you know, a first quarter, anytime you're, you've got two really well-matched teams, you're expecting it's going to be close. Um, I didn't necessarily assume that much, but I had hope. And, and that's because, you know, as anybody who's not a partisan in this thing, my hope is for a great series. And from the moment that Bam and Goran Dragic went down and then the way the next two games unfolded, all you could think was, oh, man, we're, we're going to get 
this after this incredible postseason, everything that the NBA accomplished with the bubble, and this really intriguing, fun Miami team that's built differently than other contenders, you know, in, in most recent seasons. And this is the way it's going to go down. Like, uh, like you just, you just don't want to see it happen that way for all kinds of reasons. And so there was a glimmer of, of hope there, a flicker of hope as the heat come out in game four. But I don't think we should be surprised at the outcome because Bam clearly was not at hundred percent. How could he be? Dragic still not playing probably won't um in this series however long it goes and yeah unfortunately whether this thing ends uh friday night in game five or sunday in game six it feels like that's where this is destined to go and i think while we will not anybody who's reasonable or rational will not slap an asterisk on this we will wonder what might have been if the heat had been able to stay whole you know how you know you made some interesting remarks about what if and do you think that the Lakers, what they were able to do in game four, was it more indicative of what LeBron James will? Because there's been so much talk about, he, as he said, quote, and I mean, I'm just I hope I'm quoting, giving him a correct quote here. Um, he said, this is one of the biggest games of his career. Do you think that you know, what LeBron James has been able to do thus far in this series. Where do you rank this as far as games played? I mean, he's been in the finals, what, nine out of the last 10 years or something like that. What is the importance of this this finals? Have you seen anything different with him as compared to the other finals? I don't know that we've seen anything different, BJ. I think one of the things that's interesting, though, is that when LeBron James, you know, finally, you know, got – into the to you know finally earned that first ring and and finally was able to validate his career in that really important way like that was the biggest moment at the time right every time you win another one or there are other markers along the way but in 2012 when he wins his first championship that was the most important moment now he was part of a super team then and and much criticized for doing so playing with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh they win two rings he goes to Cleveland they go to another bunch of finals uh he wins a championship for Cleveland that again, in that moment was one of the most important things, the most important moments of his career because he had brought a championship home. What's happening now is, is interesting in part because, and I don't think we've spent enough time talking about it. This is not a super team. This is not three stars. This is two stars and a very significant drop-off with all due respect to Contavious Caldwell Pope, <laughs> Rondo, Alex Caruso, Markeith Morris, and on and on. This is not a super team. This is more the traditional model that was, you know, prior to the Celtics of, of Pierce Allen Garnett, prior to the Heat Super Team. This, this is a two-man squad. And so LeBron has no room for error. And Anthony Davis has very little room for error, as we saw, because on the night that he kind of, you know, gagged a bit or, or stumbled a bit, they lost that one. Um, Le LeBron has had to, at age 35 and a half, 35 and three quarters, whatever it is. Like he's, he's 36 in December, 36 with all the miles on him. It's just freaking incredible what he's doing this deep in his career that he's still playing at an MVP level that we're having a legit debate about AD versus LeBron for finals MVP. And normally when you get to that age, that's not part of the discussion anymore. Usually you've, you've, you've kind of shifted some of the burden to your younger co-star and, and he has some, but not a lot. He's still the engine of this team. And I would argue still the MVP of this team. Um, but you can see it when he says, BJ, his, his post game remarks the other night about this being the most important game. Like he's probably had other of those. And if he sat back and really evaluated, maybe this doesn't rank quite that high, but I think in the moment he feels that because there was legit concern or, or uh, a legit uh, uh, theme out there that maybe he doesn't get another one. Maybe, maybe, he doesn't get another shot because of his age, because of the state of the Lakers when he first got there, because of the significant injury he had last season that kept them from making the playoffs at all. You had to wonder for a time and you had to wonder whether he had enough around him and AD to make this run. All of those were legit questions. And here he is on the verge of a fourth ring that was not promised. And it opens the door now to potentially a fifth. Um, and that's why I think in the moment, he can look at it and go, wow, 
this, like, this is one of the most important moments in my career. Howard, I know how much you love a uh, NBA Finals MVP debate within the finals, but uh, all joking aside, pivoting to Anthony Davis, um, game four, they come out, they put him on Jimmy Butler, a completely different look. Um, obviously, the Lakers uh, determined to um, throw Miami off rhythm a bit, and despite Jimmy's hot start, um, Davis on Butler, and then what they decided to do in the pick and roll, uh, limited Butler much more than in game three. So my question for you is um, what's impressing you most about the Laker defense? And what do you think Miami comes back with in game five to try to get going early? Two things uh, immediately come to mind. Um, maybe three, one of them is split. The first thing is, is the split thing, which is, you know, kudos to Frank Vogel and his staff and Anthony Davis. Um because this just underscored how incredible a defender Anthony Davis is. And it's why the Lakers were pounding the theme afterward about he's the, he's the defensive player of the year. He should have won it over, over Giannis. And, you know, fair argument to make. Um, sorry, it's a regular season award. The finals don't count. Uh, but it underscores the value of AD and how versatile he really is as a not quite seven footer, six, 10, whatever he is, that he can decide I'm, 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 I'm the one who's going to cut off the head of the snake here. The other thing that, that strikes me, though, is this is why they miss Goran Dragic. You know, Jimmy Butler can do a lot. Jimmy Butler is a, a, a phenomenal player. And the fact that he can shift roles from game to game or even quarter to quarter, you know, uh, facilitator, playmaker, scorer, lead defender on, on the, the other team's best perimeter guy, whatever he needs to do. Like, Jimmy Butler can do all of it. And it's, it's one of the reasons I love him as a player. But um, – you know, having to, to try to now get around 16 AD and there's nobody else to, to pick up the slack that they've got other guys who can handle the ball a little bit, but you know, you want Jimmy Butler to be freer, I think on offense to do his thing and not have to be your lead scorer and playmaker and, and to have to handle so much of the offensive burden. That's when you really need a Goran Dragic. And again, I, I, it's not like this is the first finals that has been affected by injuries. Um, there are plenty of those. Um, and not the first one involving LeBron, because we can go back to the other, you know, just a, a few years back when he was missing Kyrie for most of the finals and Kevin Love for all of it. And it's a fair what if for, for Cavs fans and for LeBron that year. Um, but the Heat, because of the way they're constructed, like this really, the like people have compared them. I don't know if it's a great analogy to the 2004 Pistons, but it really is, is more of, of that ensemble cast. It is about all of them. And I think that that makes it that much harder when you lose a key piece like Dragic, especially given what he does as a playmaker and scorer and shooter. Um, I just don't think you can't, you can't pull out any one of those threads and have them be the same. You know, the Lakers, as long as they've got LeBron and AD, they're fine. You could knock out any one of those rotation players. And I would argue the Lakers are still okay. But with the heat, even if Bam and, and LeBron, uh, Bam and, and Butler are there, those other guys, whether it's, Dragic or to a lesser extent hero some of these other pieces like they all they all matter for them because they're more of an ensemble approach and I just think it's too much to overcome you know Howard um just I got a two-part question for you there's been a narrative uh that's recently come up with the Miami Heat about this being a free agent destination the next big free agent Miami feel or people around the league seem to feel that Miami will have an excellent chance to land that free agent. I want to, I want to get your uh, opinion on that. But also, the second part of that is, with Dragon's age, do you think they will bring him back um, as, a, you know, as a key part? I mean, he's really blossomed here in the playoffs. Regular season was kind of, you know, he was coming off the bench, and suddenly now he's just really, he really took off before this injury. So... Kind of what, what, what's your opinion on both of those questions? Yeah, the second one first. I mean, it's tough for the Heat because, you know, Kendrick Nunn had this phenomenal rookie season, but he hasn't been great since, you know, I mean, I think he was, he, he was. Uh, he had COVID, I believe. I think he had COVID, yeah. He had COVID and I think was banged up a little bit too. So hasn't been as effective. And that's, that's a concern because what you would hope for when you discover a guy like him is like, okay, He's still young. Yeah, she's not as young as being a rookie would suggest, but he's, he's young enough. Maybe this is our guy going forward. 
and, and we pass the torch from Dragic to him. But I think what we've seen right now, and it's hard to judge again because of the circumstances, but they really miss Dragic and, and they really need him. And if you're letting him walk, who are you replacing him with? So this leads to the, to the first question, which was as the, the Heat as a, as a free agent destination, and not so much for this coming off season, but next year when Giannis is obviously on the market, it becomes like the Heat have been in that discussion because when you talk about you know, talk about Giannis around the league and you talk, you know, this has been going on for two years already about where he might go if he were to leave Milwaukee. Um, the Heat were in this discussion firmly even before they made this run. This run only strengthens that, of course. It reaffirms that Miami is not a destination just because of uh, weather or lack of income tax in Florida or just the, all the, 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 uh, the, the activities of South Beach. It's it's just a great organization to be part of and one that, that will always find a way to compete and contend for championships. So um, if you overpay anybody right now, this coming off season, you're possibly compromising your ability to chase Giannis or, or another Max star. Um, Oladipo has been linked to them a lot too in, in the rumor mill for the last year. Um, I think that, you know, maybe you do the one-year balloon payment, you know, like, you know, the Sixers paying J.J. Redick 23 and a half or whatever it was a few years right. back. You know, maybe there's a balloon payment to, to Dragic saying, look, we'll pay you as much as you would make over two <laughs> years, but in a one-year deal so that we can keep our flexibility for mm -hmm. 2021. Um, you, I, would, I would hope that they can do everything possible to keep this team intact. In you know, uh, I haven't looked at the books recently on them, but but this this is a really solid group. Now you've got some age concerns, not only with Dragic but Iguodala. Um, but I, you know, Iguodala, Crowder, like all these guys, like it's a, it's just a really the, the pieces fit. Donis Haslam, Donis <laughs> Haslam come back for his his fifty second straight season, with, like, still playing at age ninety three. It's amazing. Get that man a uniform. Get that man a uniform. <laughs> I hope you notice Haslam never retires. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm sitting here envisioning Giannis plugging in with Bam Butler, hero, great call out on the Dragon's balloon payment. I'm sure Goran does not want to go anywhere else uh, in his career. So um, we had Ethan Skolnick, our old friend, on two weeks ago, and he uh, was very uh, confident in his, I think it was BJ4 teams, that he thought had a better chance for Giannis than him returning to Milwaukee. Um, it was Miami. It was Golden State. And I'm forgetting the other two at the moment. So Dallas. Uh, Dallas. Dallas. And then um, Toronto. And Toronto. Yeah. So um, this is going to be um, very, very interesting for sure. Um, you know, back to the Lakers for a moment. Um, Friday night, they plan on wearing their, their Mamba jerseys. Obviously, the Kobe Bryant motivation has been a, uh, an underlying factor here uh, since January for them. Um, Howard, you covered Kobe. You covered the three-peat Lakers. Um, you know enough about LeBron James and his appreciation for history and his respect for those that came before him. Um, and obviously, uh, you know Jeannie Buss. So, uh, what would winning a title mean to the Lakers uh, and, the, and the entire franchise and the fan base if this happens over the next couple of days? Yeah, you know, it, it would mean a lot regardless. Um, I think it's going to be more emotional because of the loss of Kobe. I think that's obviously, you know, not a, not a stretch to say at all. It would, be, it would be huge regardless because, you know, there is such a thing as Lakers exceptionalism. This is a franchise that I think, and, they, and they've, they've earned this, they don't accept and don't, are never satisfied with anything less than a championship. Um, they don't hang division banners at Staples Center. They didn't at the Forum either. Um, this is a team and a fan base, a franchise that identifies solely with championships as a measure of success. And so to go as long as they have, I think it was seven years out of the playoffs, which, you know, for some teams, some franchises, that's, uh, you know, that's just routine, you know, or, you know, three, four five years without the play, like it happens, right. For the Lakers, that's, that's death. That, that, that's, that's just, that, that is seven years of not being in the playoffs to the, to the Lakers and their fan base is like 50 years to anybody else. That's not even a stretch. 
that is that is how it is there. And if you're, yeah, a fan I'm, of a, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the multiplier there. Yeah. <laughs> if if you're yeah. And if you're a fan of a team that has a, a much longer drought, uh, you know the Kings or the Knicks or the Timberwolves for a while there or whatever, and you want to scoff and say you don't know pain, Laker fans. That's fair. Um, but just understand that it's a different scale there because they've been spoiled. They've been spoiled by it. I'm not saying it's right. They've been spoiled. So getting back to this point is, is huge. Also, listen, you know, when Kobe's in his twilight, uh, those last few seasons, which you knew they were not going to be competitive. They were not going to be contenders by any stretch. They didn't have the right guys around him. His game is eroding. He's got a ton of miles on him. And, there's still the resonance of having Kobe as a symbol of, of all the greatness that he represented and the franchise has enjoyed, but you're wondering the whole time, okay, who's next? And remember, they made a bunch of runs. They made a run at LeBron before and missed. They made a run, I think, at Carmelo at one point. And then they, you know, they had the, the, obviously the failed trade for Chris Paul when Kobe was still, you know, more in, in his competitive prime. They, there's always this question of, well, where are the, where are the Lakers? We got to have somebody, you know, this, this is the franchise of, you know, Magic and Kareem and going all the way back to George Mikan um, and, and Jerry West and, and others all the way up through the present and through Kobe and Pau Gasol. Like they don't identify with or cannot even conceive of not being a team that is um, mark that has a marquee player on it. So LeBron coming so close to the end of his career, <clears throat> I should even put an asterisk on that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but LeBron coming in, when he was starting at what was year 16 at that time, you know, there's no guarantee you're getting back to this mountaintop. So this would be huge regardless of everything that happened, but the loss of Kobe has added a, a different emotional element here. Um, I think, and uh, Jeannie Buss talked about this on my podcast this week that, you know, for her too, like, okay, she's been part of this franchise since she was a teenager, literally a teenager with her father's ownership of the team. And she's been there through 10 championships, which is astounding to think in its own. But this would be the first with her as as the team's governor. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's, you know, this is her stamp. You know, she's the one who hired Rob Palenka and and also Magic, of course, initially. And it's on her, you know, under under her leadership that they hire Frank Vogel, that they get LeBron, that they get Anthony Davis. This is, I think for her, uh, there's a certain resonance. For LeBron, there's a certain resonance. For Anthony Davis getting his first. it, it, there, there's a lot of layers to this. You know, well, um, it, I just want to say, I just I need to uh-huh. need to have a laugh. One second, this this will be my only Celtics mention of the show. <laughs> I, sh- I should. Yeah, I'm going to hold you to I that, mean, Eric. Just, I'm going to hold you to that. It's it's so disappointing they blew it because they could have been part of this incredible historical storyline here between the history of battling LeBron 10 years removed from, you know, the, the, the Kobe KG Pierce Powell final in 2010 and just bringing back Celtics Lakers in the bubble. It would have been so great. I digress. Um, BJ, you want to take the next one or uh, go ahead? Well, no, I wanted I wanted to use this as an opportunity. We went through the exercise um, a few minutes ago of talking about what the Heat future could look like here, um, and we talk about um, yes, Mike, the Lakers are about to tie the Celtics for 17 titles. Thank you very much. It's been on my radar. Um, Funny how you left that out of your little Celtics. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, forgive me, forgive me. Um, No, you know, we go through the exercise with Miami. You talk about the greatness of LeBron, Anthony Davis continuing to raise his bar, uh, how that roster is put together. So, Howard, I put this to you, the future of the Lakers with AD uh, and his contract situation, the LeBron James window for being elite level LeBron James and the rest of the moving parts. how do you view the Lakers championship window right now with all things considered? Um, it's a really interesting question to ponder in part because of what I said a few minutes ago when I said, like, I, I, there is no end. Like, I, we can't, like, LeBron and a, and, a, and a retirement, LeBron and an end. I don't even know when that is anymore. Like, the window is, like, 
you just knock down the like the exterior wall like the whole building is now a win like there is no window the window is just it's whatever the heck he wants it to be i guess he's defying physics and uh bad construction analogies um <laughs> I, I you know we always thought that that if lebron's championship window if he was ever going to get to six right six becomes the magic number because of mj like can he get to six well Maybe he can get to six, but not as the lead guy. Maybe by the time he gets to six, it's because he has delegated uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, responsibility to somebody else, as it turns out, probably Anthony Davis. Maybe there's even a third star coming in. Maybe another super team forms and he takes another step back. But the way he's playing right now, again, he finished second in the MVP voting. Um, I know he took it as an insult, but it was actually an achievement. That was remarkable given his age and the miles and everything he's been through that he's was in a position to, to, to take it. And by the way, if the season hadn't been halted by a global pandemic, he was on pace or at least on track to potentially, excuse my cat, uh, to, he was on, on track to potentially track down Giannis or, uh, or MVP. Wow. Um, fly, fly Pence and Cat Back. <laughs> oh, she's she's standing right on the keyboard and we're going to have issues. Um, so, come on. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that what he's shown us in this postseason run is that um, we shouldn't assume anything about how much longer he can perform at an MVP level and be the lead guy. Maybe he's got another year, two, three. And in that time, Anthony Davis, I think, will just continually get better. The Lakers will find other ways, I think, to supplement around them. They're, you know, they were already an attractive destination. Um, I don't think that that was in any danger, but it only gets better with them winning another title. So I, I think, I think they're in position to extend this window. I mean, what three, four, five years? I mean, LeBron, he could, he could play till forty. Yep, easily. You could easily envision him playing till. Without, you know, barring any any crazy injury, and over the course of that time, maybe he goes from MVP of the Lakers to co-MVP to second option to whatever. Like, there's there are various versions of this because there's so much he can do, even if he's not your primary ball handler anymore. Say that like, that's we decide that that's the first thing that has to go. It's too much wear and tear, too much energy expended to be the lead everything. Okay, uh, get a nice young point guard to take some of the, the uh, burden off there, make him more of a traditional forward. Shift from small forward to permanently uh, at power forward, where he could play, he's just as big as Karl Malone was. Like, there are, there are ways LeBron can extend this out, um, depending on who's around him. So I don't, I don't know that we should even talk about a window anymore. Um, but I do think that assuming that they win this one in the next day or, or a few, whenever it ends and, and they have that ring, He's got if he's got four now, and the way he's played this past season, oh, yeah. six is is no longer a crazy thought. Yeah, I mean he'll turn forty in December of twenty twenty four, and then you have the storyline of his son. And um, <laughs> I believe have you already started this, Eric? Come on. <laughs> and then he's uh, Howard. He's forty one hundred and change behind Kareem on points. So that's you know two very strong scoring seasons or, you know, leaks into the third if he's uh, taking that slight step back. So, um, you know, one, one thing, Howard and, and BJ, chime in, uh, chime in when you're good here. But, you know, we've talked about Miami, obviously talked about the Lakers. Um, you know, throughout the playoffs, we've talked about, you know, how other teams could look going forward. Obviously, there's been some moves made with Doc out at the Clippers now in with Philly, uh, Nash to Brooklyn, and uh, obviously the draft is still over a month away. So a, a lot to be determined, but, you know, looking at this offseason, not including the Lakers, not including the Heat, um, give us one team in each conference that you're uh, looking forward, perhaps fascinated to see what they're going to do uh, in preparation to uh, improve for next season. So strictly about the, the off season, strictly about uh, how teams are, are retooling in the, in, in these yeah. next months to come here. 
Not yeah. rebuilding, not rebuilding, Howard, <laughs> just retooling. <laughs> retooling, retooling, reloading. You guys, you guys um, the media I, like I to think, talk about rebuilding. We're just, yeah, we're right side. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think, um, and, and, you know, Howard, I want you to go in depth. I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be snackable here. I want you to really go in depth. Um, Stop it. <laughs> who, uh, who, who fascinates you as far as taking the next step towards winning a championship? Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we're so immersed in the playoffs. I had to like actually scroll the standings real quick to see who, who jumps out at me. Actually, the first team that leaps out is Houston, to be honest. Um, they don't have a coach yet to, to, uh, fill in for Mike D'Antoni. Um, and I don't know what the next coach, uh, can possibly do to make this team any better. I don't think that, it, that there's, there's no, there's nothing that coaching is going to change here. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, the, the Rockets have really locked themselves in, you know, the trade for Westbrook, they gave up picks. They don't have a lot of assets. They don't have youth that you can easily point to and say, well, if that guy takes a step forward, they're really kind of maxed out on, on who they are. They're, they're literally maxed out on the cap. They're maxed out on what their talent is. Uh, Harden and Westbrook, where they are in terms of age, they're not getting any better. They can only get worse. Um, you know, they could stay the same too, but th there's no leap forward for this team. So the Rockets who have been all in and who were the one team that really said, F it, we don't care if the Warriors have three stars, four stars, 18 stars, we're going for it. And you're in, you're out. They, they, they did their best to make a run at them. Well, you know, the, the bill has kind of come due on, on being all in all the time. And that's not to, to second guess it. Um, I, I admired their, their, you know, their audacity to uh, to decide to compete throughout that era and, and even in this past season with the Warriors momentarily out of it. But with the Warriors presumably back in the thick of things next season and the Lakers as likely defending champions and the Clippers still a strong team and the Nuggets young and strong and only improving, um, it's, it's crowded up top. And, you know, I, I, Daryl Morey and his staff have been incredibly creative over the years. I don't know how much, I don't know if there's enough creativity in the world, especially with a cap that could be shrinking and with just the league's finances being uncertain. I don't know how you get out of this one. They're, re they're really jammed up right now. So I'll be curious to see, I don't know that we're going to see anything dramatic. I'll just be curious to see whether all the, their creativity can get them, can push them forward. Um, that Clint Capella trade, I've been saying it for a couple of months. It's going to come back to bite him in the ass for, a multitude of reasons. I mean, he, he it, obviously his contract was movable. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was around $18 million. So they went all in on the small ball. It didn't work. D'Antoni's out. Now you look at that roster. Who's a, who's a movable asset that can get you something back that could help boost Westbrook and Harden. And it's, it's not there. No, they, 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 they really are locked up. Um, I, you know, I think everything should be on the table there. Everything, every, every possibility should be on the table. Um, so you're I, saying, so you're saying Westbrook to the Knicks is a possibility? Everything on the table. <laughs> it's a big table. Okay. Howard, BJ, you first, then I'll follow. Yeah, Howard, I want, I want to, I want to circle back to uh, you being out, living out here in LA for many years, the Clippers. Makes sense out of what the Clippers just did with the, the firing of Doc Rivers. Help me understand what that really was all about. It was mutual and, being the Clippers. Clippers being yeah, the Clippers. Yeah, just, just help me understand here. I mean, you know, I, I'm a huge Doc Rivers fan. And I was very disappointed when that decision was made. And I just trying to... I want to get your point of view because everything is from a certain point of view. Tell me what, what, what are the Clippers thinking and where do they go from here? BJ, I, I'm, I'm like you, I would say I'm a Doc Rivers fan um, of him as, as a coach and a human being. I like you would say, I'm, you know, I don't know if you would use this word or not, but I, I am baffled by what, by the decision they made. Um, I don't think there's, I don't think it moves them forward. Like when you're, when you've reached this level where you are a contender and you are, right, you, you fall short. Um, fine. 
but you have the personnel, you have the right makeup, you remove you, everything you've done for the last couple of years has to put you in this position. Every other move you make has to be, does this move us forward or, or is it a step backward? I don't see how replacing Doc Rivers with an as yet unnamed replacement is right. moving them forward. And even the usual standby kind of, of uh, reasons that you might cite. Well, he'd been on the job for what, seven seasons, whatever, you know, maybe things grow stale. Not in this case, it's a completely new team. Like this right. is not the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan Clippers. Like this is, so it can't even be, well, his voice was no longer resonating. No, like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard just got there and the rest of that group have yeah, been there for, you know, two, three years, but that it can't be that. Um, sometimes you're not on the same page with the people above you, right? Like when you're a coach, you got to manage up and manage down. Yep. It, it was and, and this maybe is more a matter of that. I don't think it was about what he was doing managing down. Maybe it was about what he was doing managing up and how the people above him felt. Or maybe it's just that Steve Ballmer, who inherited Doc when he bought the team, um, who has done a lot to revamp a lot of other parts of the organization, including basketball ops, including removing Doc from the presidency of, of the basketball uh, operations group. Maybe this was just his, his feeling like, I gotta make I gotta make my imprint here too on the on the coach uh, on the on the bench. Um, new owners do this, right? We see it a lot. They're, right. they're impulsive oh, that, that's just, and self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it feels like? It feels like a, like a new. That's what it feels like. New owner. A lot of people talking in your ear, but you know when you're in that position, I mean, they had a work stoppage. They come back. This is their first year. It just seemed like there was a lot of noise, but you know what? Yeah. They're right there. You have Doc Rivers as your head coach. He embodies everything we want in leadership, preparation. Say what you want. Like when I watched the series against the Denver Nuggets, say what you want. Like it wasn't a lack of preparation. The guys that were playing the game just couldn't get it done. I mean, they were up significantly in every game. I don't understand the decision, but it feels like a new owner. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> it just feels like, like one of those things you'll look back and you'll be like, okay, I, you, you're going to get rid of Doc Rivers. Who's better than Doc Rivers? Who's better? Where are you going to find this guy? Yeah. And this is the thing, BJ, and you know this too. There are a handful of coaches who we can all identify as in any given year or era who are the best in the league, right? Who are the elite coaches? There are a handful in any given year or era that you can point to and say, yeah, those guys aren't so great. And then there's a huge middle. Doc's at the top end. Doc's right. in the first group. Um, and unless you're hiring Greg Popovich or Rick Carlisle or Eric Spolstra and maybe a couple others, like who, who else, who else are you hiring that you can identify right now that you know for certain would be as good or better? Because that's a small group, and those guys aren't available, the ones I just named. <laughs> um, right. So um, I, I, I don't I, – to me, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the, the Clippers had all kinds of, of uh, obstacles or challenges they were trying right. to overcome that aren't always in the hand – are not controllable by, by the coach. Um, Doc Rivers couldn't control the fact that, that Paul George – had to have surgery on both shoulders and came back and had to miss the first whatever 15 games of the season, That's thus right. delaying his integration into that team. And that Kawhi Leonard was going to be load managed all season. So now those two guys aren't playing together that often. You have this other group, the guy, the group that won 48 games without those two who are very prideful and have their own feelings about how their roles are being redefined with these two superstars coming in. And that certainly was an issue because Montrezl Harrell basically said it in January. Um, there were times when, when guys were basically on the record with saying, yeah, we got some issues. We got some chemistry things to work out here. Now, among the coaches burdens is to figure out those chemistry issues that, but there's only so much a coach can do too. Um, and it all bled straight into the, you know, then they got on a roll right before the, the lockdown hit in March. Then they, that, that interrupts everything trying to refine their chemistry when Lou Williams, Montrose Harrell and Pat Beverly all had to miss time in the bubble because they all had to leave for, for like, these are not things that the coach can control. Right. Exactly. Infuriating. Well. It's infuriating and, me with, with every, with if every Ballmer, mention. And his group, if Bomber and his group were disappointed by, by losing in the second round, as opposed to that anticipated 
all LA battle in the conference finals. I get it. Like I get right, it. I picked the Clippers right. to come out of the West. I, I thought this I, was I, their I, year. Yes, I didn't think I, they were. I, I, yeah. The, and then, the only yeah thing, and I didn't think yeah. they were like leaps better than the Lakers. I thought they were, I thought they had better depth and I thought that would carry them through. It didn't, but and, it doesn't mean that this was a failure. It doesn't mean that they, like there were, there were weird circumstances and for, and for them in particular this season and running it all back one more year with a complete year with continuity, I think would have been a different result. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I had them winning. The only thing that I saw with this team, which was obvious to me, as you're building out a roster, which I think is very difficult to do in today's age, is they didn't have that lead guard who could push the tempo that could compete in the way that you have to play today. You have to have a lead guard or a player that pushes the tempo and can break down and keep the pressure on the defense. And that, to me, was very obvious as you were watching the Denver Nuggets series. They have two guards, but they're not lead guards you know, in, in talking about Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. And that put a, a that put a that put an incredible amount of pressure on Kawhi Leonard to not only be the score and the dominant score that he is uh, in crunch time, but he also had to facilitate and initiate the offense. So in watching the the league, you have to have those players who can play against the Damian Lillards, who can play against the Luka Doncic, who can play against the the, the, the James Hardens and the Russell Westbrooks and all of these lead guards. I mean, Jamal Murray just took his game to a whole nother level. And, you know, and you, and you watch these young players, the Donovan Mitchells, when, 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 when Conley missed games, they put him over at the point guard position and suddenly he erupts for like 50. So you need a lead guard. And that's the only thing that I can see with the Clippers team that they were missing. They didn't have a lead guard who could, keep Steph Curry honest <laughs> just keep him honest like you know and BJ to your point um and this was this, I think maybe this is this was um a mistake on my part in assessing them last fall I thought that that wouldn't matter because if you look at the LeBron James kind of model where right LeBron was always on teams where you had like a nominal point guard in name only but he's really the point guard Mario Chalmers wasn't the point guard LeBron was the point right. guard right um so as long as you have somebody competent at that position who, who brings something to the table, whether it's shooting, whether it's defense, they don't necessarily have to handle a lot because you had that. Now, I'm not saying that Kawhi and Paul George are at that level, but Kawhi and Paul George both are good with the ball in their hands and I thought could initiate enough that a Pat Beverly who would bring the defense or Lou Williams who would bring the scoring punch. I thought that that role was filled by guys who brought something else elite to the table, even if it wasn't as an elite point guard in, in the traditional sense, right? Um, I was wrong on that part for sure. Um, and, and you've just laid it out perfectly, BJ. I, I think that maybe what you need there is to throw out a name, a Kyle Lowry. <laughs> yeah, I, because I, I, I agree you, with you. You know, like they were great together in Toronto. And it's because Kyle, you know, great, gritty defender, more vocal leader. And that's the other thing. Kawhi and Paul George may, you know, maybe like they have other team guys on that team on the Clippers team who are, I think are vocal, but Kawhi and Paul George are both not lead by they're lead by example types. They're not lead by force of mm -hmm. personality mm -hmm. types. And um, Kyle Lowry, as much as Kawhi was the MVP of that championship, Kyle Lowry was the heart and soul of the Raptors. Yep, and that's, remains, that's so right. Maybe that's what they need. Uh, I, 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 Kyle or a facsimile thereof, you know? Yep. Yep. I, I agree. I agree. Thanks for discussing me with this Clippers. I've been waiting to just, I, I just couldn't understand it. You're like right there. I mean, the NBA is it's, you got to just figure it out and they are so close and I, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, it's not, and right. And BJ, it, it, it's not a huge leap, right? Like they don't need some massive overhaul. <laughs> they just need, no, you know, they need, con easy, they need continuity system. and not a four month stoppage of the season. Yes. Like, <laughs> Very simple. Yeah, and right, and an upgraded point guard, and 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 a, and, a, and not a massive upgraded point guard, but just an upgraded point guard. Now I don't know where that comes. This is a fun scenario. This is if, if we're throwing out the hypotheticals and the offseason and everything else. Like, what what are the Raptors going to do? Because, um, you know, they need Siakam to take another leap forward to become, you know, their their new franchise star, right? But Kyle Lowry is is up there in years and miles. And Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol are up there years and years, and uh, and you know they both are free agents and could move on. 
Like, is Masai Ujiri going to take a step back? And he's trying to hold cap room for Giannis next year, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Fred Van Vliet's a free agent, yep. So if you decide, you know what, we can't afford to lose Van Vliet. He's the future. And he's got a lot of Kyle Lowry in him. And he could be that next guy for us for years to come. Well, then you're going to have to pay him a boatload to keep him. Maybe even come close to maxing him out to keep him from going to, say, the Knicks or something. Um, Well, then... Then, then you got to figure out what to do with Kyle Lowry. So maybe Kyle, you know, who knows? Like, I'm just speculating out my ass. But overpay Fred Van Vliet because he's that important. And in that case, he's not an overpay. But pay him because because he's important. And then maybe that pushes you in a position where you have to deal Lowry while you're trying to, you know, uh, uh, you know, make make this roster a little younger. Let Gasol walk. Let Ibaka right. walk. Flip Lowry right. to say the Clippers. I don't know for who. Um, but. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's in place somewhere down the line. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with you with that. I believe Marcus Ole announced he is going to go overseas next season. Uh, I thought. Well, I saw a report, and then I thought I saw somebody else walk walk it back and say it wasn't. Right. But I haven't. I don't. Uh, I don't recall if that was or not. But yeah, wouldn't okay. surprise anybody, right? On the radar. On the radar. So. Um, so to close, and Howard, you are most definitely a basketball historian at this point. Um, when the historians look back on this season and at the bubble, um, what's going to stand out the most? And, and how is this thing going to be looked at over the course of time? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how, you know, we, we all see this through our own lens, right? So a, a year from now, five years, 10 years, when people look back on it, I don't, I don't know how everybody else will see it. I think what I'll remember is uh, the achievement of it, that they, that they pulled this off at all right. is incredible. And that they did it in a way that was, that had in- in- integrity to it, that was, re- it was a respectable product. Like it'll never feel right. It'll never feel, I was saying this on, on, uh, on NBA radio last week, years from now or maybe even one year from now when they start running back the highlight reels of here's all of LeBron's championships or here's you know you know great shots over the course of finals history and and somewhere in there 2020 is going to slip in and you're going to go what the fuck that doesn't look like anything else <laughs> right, right. it's going to be so jarring as we go from like you know Kyrie Irving hitting that shot you know at Oracle Arena or you know uh you know uh, you know, Magic's baby skyhook or whatever. We're going to see all these, all the usual highlight reels, Jordan switching hands in midair, all these things with the normal backdrop and crowd noise and, and, and atmosphere. And then you're going to see like LeBron going to the rack with a bunch of like virtual fans of various head sizes behind him, um, it, you know, or, or, uh, or OG Ananobi's shot in an empty gym. Like it, it just going to look freaking weird. Um, so we'll never get past that. And that doesn't mean it's an asterisk. It just means it's completely unique and bizarre. But I think the, 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 the takeaway is, is the achievement and that they were able to, to, you know, one, do this without having the virus infringe upon it at all, that the basketball was played at a really high level, that, that like I said, it, it had integrity, and that along the way, they did not lose sight of anything that was going on in this country or in this world that they made sure that Black Lives Matter was front and center, very literally on the court, that the messages on the jerseys, that the PSAs that they did, that the discussions that were had, that the, the, the wildcat strike that they held, that all of these things, none of these things detracted from the game, none of these things hurt the game or hurt the league. And I, I reject anybody who's going to try to superimpose that discussion on the ratings. Ratings are down for everybody, hockey, tennis, everything. Everything's down, it's just a weird year. Let's see where we are, you know, next year, assuming society is back to normal. But that the NBA was able to do all this and have the product still be great and have the, the, the competition still be at a high level and with, with an integrity to it, that this will feel absolutely like a legit, if strange, finals. And all the while not lose sight of, of the issues that were, um, you know, affecting everyone in the whole country before they went to the bubble. Um, I just think it's 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 an achievement across the board, and I think and I would hope that history will view it that way. And, Very well said, my man. Very well said. 
and to have a better plan for COVID than the United States government. <laughs> Not even close. Think of the biggest blowout ass kicking in whatever sport <laughs> and multiply it by a thousand. Oh, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's, it's like it, you, you go back to that night in March where thank goodness they did what they did and they pulled the plug and then you fast forward to this past week in our country where <laughs> these I, I just i don't even know how to describe it anymore they're just they're, they're in a different dimension on another wavelength and the nba figured it out kept everybody safe not just talking about the players and the coaches like the media and the other staffers and not one not one case it's, uh it's an incredible no, achievement it's, and, and, it's and an incredible model. Yep. And I was skeptical. I was skeptical, not because I didn't think they could pull it off, not because I didn't have any faith in the NBA or anyone they were working with to do this. They had incredible medical experts to, to consult with as well. I just thought it's too, it's too much to ask of, of any yep. organization to try to pull this. I just thought, and then there were some wild cards, right? There were some, um, some variables that you could not control for, like, Disney staff coming and going every day and going back to their own homes and their own neighborhoods where the virus was possibly spiking because Florida has been a freaking toxic hotbed for months. And so um, I thought that, that because of that, there was, there was just enough risk that I, that I was a little worried. I was worried for the older personnel and older coaches. I was worried for Mike D'Antoni and Greg Popovich and Alvin Gentry. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that maybe it was too much risk um, even with all the controls that the NBA put in, but they, they did obviously an, an incredible job. We are, you know, maybe, you know, 36 hours or whatever from the end of the bubble here, um, or a few days at the most maybe, and they've done it. They've, they've, they've pulled it off. It, it's uh, kudos to all of them. BJ, do you remember like our first show talking about this where you were just asking, how exactly is this going to work? Yeah, I wasn't and, sure and, they was able to pull it off. I, I wasn't sure, but you know what? I I, I got to applaud what they've been able to do. I, I really do. I mean, what the NBA has done has been nothing short of incredible. It's been an example. Um, you know what? I got to give them credit for being able to pull this off, for the protocols that they've had in place and having the discipline to do it. I mean, they've really, this is an amazing achievement to be able to pull this event off with so many moving parts, families coming in, families going out, players coming in, players going out, and uh, it's been it's been amazing to to watch. And uh, you know, I got to salute them for that one. I'm starting yeah, to and, go and the real challenge. The, uh, sorry, go ahead, Howard. <laughs> no, I was going to say the real challenge now is how do you pull off next season without? <laughs> no, no, next season hard, you know. <laughs> Because I don't think well, the players are going to be saying, I'm going back into a bubble. I can no. tell you that. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> one time. I, did, did you guys see, I think, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was uh, Shams last week who put something out on Twitter about uh, kind of a regional four-location format that they're looking at as kind of a safety net just in case. Did you guys see that? I did not. I might have missed that one, but that's something that has been floated, you know, over the course of months. I mean, there, there are a number of ways to attack this, and one of them would be uh, more regional, have teams travel less, you know, what you're playing some sort of round robin or something. Um, you know, there's been talk of, you know, you create shorter mini bubbles where you're in for a few weeks and then out for a couple of weeks, just so that, that nobody is sequestered from their family or cut off for that long of a period. I mean, there are a number yeah. of ways to try to pull it off. There's, you know, stay in home markets, but everybody just agreeing to, severe severe restrictions um but even that that that's that could still come with a lot of risk but everything of course just depends on where we are with regard to a vaccine and the availability of, of that vaccine um and where the you know the greater society is like there's a certain amount of this that's in the nba's control that they can create uh the format and the restrictions to maybe pull it off but so much of of whether they can pull off any anything that we could all throw out there right now or that the league is pondering still depends on where we are as a country with regard to the virus. And, and that part, you know, remains an unknown as we sit here on October 8th. Um, but, you know, if, if things change 
significantly in the next couple of months. You know, the, uh, like the NBA, here's one, one thing I will guarantee you guys. It's the only thing I know for sure. The NBA has a stack, you know, this high, as high as my ceiling of scenario. These aren't even actually, these are not physical. They're actually in a, in a computer somewhere. It's just not actually <laughs> in the matrix. But if there the were matrix. a stack, exactly. If there were a stack, it would be really, really high. They have, they have gamed, they have gamed out a bazillion scenarios. If there's a vaccine by X date, if we need a bubble, if we need mini bubbles, if we need, they have gamed out every possible scenario. That is the one thing I can guarantee everybody. I cannot tell you when next season will start for sure or what it will look like. I can tell you that the NBA has a lot of really smart people, you know, with software and calendars and arena <laughs> dates and, 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 and various scenarios about what may or may not be uh, possible due to the virus. They have gamed it all out. And when the moment comes to say, we've got to execute plan, you know, 573 part X, or whatever it is, um, it's there. They, I, I, trust me, they have, they have thought through all this. Well, my Great friend, stuff, Howard. Howard, whatever you do, your next project, your next book, I want in. I want in on this. I want, I want, I want to go. I want in on this. I, I just want to, I want to get to the basketball knowledge and just talk basketball. I, I appreciate you so much for coming on. And uh, kind, what, kind the next book, can I get in? Can I get in on the next? Can I get in? Well, wait, 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 B, BJ, that. he's uh, BJ. He's uh, I don't want to put him on the spot, but he's uh, he's writing his next career chapter now. He's keeping it very uh, very under wraps. But uh, I'm going to try to pry some info out of him off air. But Howard, uh, whatever the next adventure is, and hopefully uh, more stuff with us in the coming months as uh, opportunities arise. Just uh, thank you for always uh, coming on, being a class act, and of course uh, a tremendous friend and ally. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate it, fellas. No, always happy to come on with you guys uh, wherever I may land. Always happy. <laughs> Get back out here to California. Get back out here. We need you back out here in LA. Quite a show today, my friend. Um, as I said at the top, only one Howard Beck, and uh, nothing like getting the great storytellers on here with us. Yeah, he's outstanding, and um, he's just besides being excellent at what he does and sports and reporting and journalism, great guy, great guy, excellent sense of humor, and uh, it's always a pleasure and a joy to be with him, hear his stories, and hear his perspective. I mean, he's a wealth of insight, knowledge about the game. And uh, he's uh, just a terrific overall uh, human being. Yeah, great journey through the space. Lucky enough to have worked with him uh, pretty much day to day for two years. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where he lands next as um, Bleacher Report and him uh, not renewing uh, their contract. But he's uh, extremely talented, extremely thoughtful. And uh, We'll be talking to him again soon. So great stuff today, my friend. If uh, this is our last show before the end of the bubble, um, it's been uh, it's been great going through this with you week to week. And uh, I also appreciate your uh, your check-ins when some of those games weren't going too well. So, um, <laughs> next week, we'll either be discussing a uh, miraculous Miami comeback <laughs> or the Lakers getting their 17th NBA title, LeBron James's fourth. So. It's the same uh, as the Celtics, right? Yeah, yeah. They'll even it up. So <laughs> already sets up next year's storyline. Already sets up next year's storyline. And that's the shame of the Celtics not getting there. They, they could have at least had a hand in the Lakers not uh, tying them and, and them getting 18. But as we talked about and I talked about with a couple of people, they just weren't ready. So right. uh, next year will be uh, a promising one for for them for sure. And uh, we know Danny Ainge is not going to do anything uh, – uh, hostile or crazy with this roster. I just think it's some fine tuning. And as we talked about with the Clippers, you know, get, getting yourself going again and making a run at a championship with a four month layoff under these circumstances is uh, quite a challenge that no one has ever experienced before. So uh, big off season for them and, and, and many other teams that continue to uh, view themselves as contenders. So, Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, the one and only Bruce Bernstein, editor Tom Phillip, and the entire Pure Hoops Media team. Check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. John Fanta talks college ball every Tuesday with Full Court Press. 
Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong dropping each and every Wednesday. Thursdays bring you Monica McNutt and King McClure with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. And Fridays, of course, the Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and myself, Eric Newman. Please check out all of our shows. Subscribe, download, rate, review, share. Most of all, enjoy. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay pure. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.